A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Zone. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Holy crow, we've got some rain that's moving into western Wisconsin probably uh, about 8 o'clock this morning. How you doing, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke. Glad to be along with you. Some of you may already have seen some shower activity, but I'll tell you the heaviest amount of rain right now is concentrated in southeast Minnesota, northeast Iowa. In fact, parts of northeast Iowa have flash flood advisories in effect this morning. As far as our forecast is concerned, yeah, you guessed it. Thunderstorms possible for a good chunk of our audience early this morning should taper off by about lunchtime or so. Daytime highs today around 86 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to be a warm one, some clouds in 91. Sunday, showers and thunderstorms late in the day on Sunday, 85. Then Monday, partly cloudy skies back around 81 degrees. Don't forget that Midwest Farm Report talk text line if you've got a rainfall update for me this morning that number that you can call or text 877-301-FARM 877-301-3276 if you get involved this morning you might have a chance at a brand new weather station courtesy of rural mutual insurance we'll be drawing the winner for that next week We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. About a year ago, we were wondering what was going to be coming down with the dairy industry and what was going to be happening with the price of milk in a a big way because of, well, that coronavirus pandemic. And things have kind of organized themselves since then a little bit. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And Pam, we have the latest update about what's going on with those milk prices and the industry. Yeah, actually, Scott, uh, a little bit of a surprise for the state of Wisconsin. In July, our milk production went up 4.6%. Meanwhile, many of the states in the West continuing to battle wildfires, water shortages, and extreme heat. I had a chance to visit with Dr. Mark Stevenson with the Center for Dairy Profitability about all of these trends and discuss our July milk production. The other thing that you start noticing when you take a look at a state-by-state breakout is it's not just about California and Wisconsin anymore. We are seeing dairy kind of redistribute, if you will. Stevenson points out some of the biggest milk production increases in the month of July came from states in the center of the United States. I mean, take one of our nearby neighbors, South Dakota. My gosh, they're up 17%. I think they're up 14% last month. Um, They've been a state on fire, but... They've added some capacity to a few of the cheese plants out there along that I-29 corridor, and there are some of those farms that are just, um, you know, filling up the tank for uh, for those cheese plants. 
Well, like we said, and that basically points out another trend that we've got to pay attention to. The dairy-producing regions, as far as geography, are changing. Colorado coming on. As you pointed out, South Dakota, now a player. Kansas, another player with a 2.1% increase in July milk. Uh, is that because capacity is building there, Mark, or why is this happening? That's two things. I mean, you've got to have capacity. If you don't have capacity, you're not going to build. Uh, maybe with the exception of Michigan in the past decade, but Michigan finally had to build a plant to handle all the milk they've had in that region. Um, you've got to have good climate for the cows. You've got to have decent land to be able to grow good forages. Um, and cow comfort is an increasingly important thing. You know, in the southeast, this hot weather is really tough on high-producing cows. So um, the cows like the cooler and more northern states and climates better. And, and, you know, to the extent that we're able to handle that and not have conflicts with population centers for some of our bigger dairies that are going in, um, that's where we're seeing a lot of the growth. Now, what does this uh, bode as far as uh, milk price, consumption? Give me a sense, Mark, on what these numbers are telling you and what cautionary words our dairy producers have to keep in mind going into fourth quarter. Well, I'm going to say right now that these are kind of neutral numbers. I frankly expected that they would be a little tighter than this, would show a little less uh, production growth. It was up about 2.1% for the whole U.S. Um, but the only reason we're able to tolerate that kind of growth in milk production is that we've had strong domestic demand, both you know at retail and with restaurants opening back up. It's a little nerve-wracking. You know, we've got a lot of this iffy stuff going on with the Delta version of, of COVID still um, a threat. And exports have been better than expected. Some of that is our other countries that are really in want of and in need of the product. And some of it is the fact that our major competitors like the European Union have been down in milk production. They've left a vacuum there, and, and we're taking some more of that space right now with our increased production. Uh, we've got a place to sell dairy products, but we couldn't take a very big pickup in demand. Or if this milk production just takes another surge and a big jump, we're in trouble. I mean, it's, it's more milk than I think the markets can handle right now. Well, and you note that we're still in uncertain territory on what the future holds as far as... Uh you know, mandates for masks and dining out. Uh, any? Are you seeing any initial move on grocery store movement or restaurant orders? Anything like that, Mark, that's starting to tip their hand? Well, our data is always a bit of a lag, right? Uh, but the last grocery store data that I saw um, is tailing off a little bit. But if you look at that compared to pre-pandemic levels, it's still well up. You know, we're compared to that big surge when we were still shut at home and buying a lot of our groceries um, from grocery store rather than eating out. So, um, you know, the uh, retail sales look reasonable. Uh, restaurant sales look good. Restaurant performance index is, is really high right now. But, again, that's coming off a low point last year. Um, and I, I do think that we're not in a bad shape, but we tolerate very much of a, of a problem if it comes to be that. And COVID still looks like a big deal. You know, I want to also focus in on what you alluded to earlier, feed costs. Uh, we're not to the winter just yet. I think there are a lot of farms in Wisconsin and outside of Wisconsin doing a very, very close monitoring of what they're going to have. 
How much of a tipping point is that going to be as far as fourth quarter milk production, Mark? That feed cost escalating, concern about water availability, what pastures, what are you hearing? Oh, I think that that could be a big deal. Um, we've got a lot of farms that are looking at their inventories right now of forage, and they're, they're putting in what they can. But, you know, this may be a point in time. We saw back in 2008 and you know, when prices really went in the toilet, um, that we had farms, not just here, but in the West and other places, where they had to go back in and take a look at every cow and ask whether she was pulling her weight. You know, was she producing enough milk for the feed that she's eating? Um, otherwise, we need to call her. We had barns operating below capacity, not out of business, but below capacity. I think we're going to see some of that kind of decision-making again this year with these high feed costs. These feed costs, by the way, are almost back up at the 2012 level um, when you look at the value of the ration um, in dairy. So they're going to be uh, making producers look pretty closely, I think, at, at what they're spending. Now, here in Wisconsin, we inherently rely on feed that we've grown ourselves. Is that going to become a bigger issue for those Western-style dairies that only want land for the dairy? And what do you, what do you think there? It's a bigger issue for Western-style dairies, no question about it. Um, but it's not the only issue. Um, you know, so, for example, if we're used to buying hay or even silage out of fields around here, that can get more expensive simply because there are other options for people to sell that product, you know, further west or, or elsewhere. Um, and, you know, we, we'll have to watch and see how the season evolves, but typically we're pricing uh, corn silage if you're buying it out of a field, you know, based on corn price. And corn price right now is fairly high, um, particularly corn futures. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, we, we're going to have some more expensive feed everywhere, but it's going to take a bigger bite, I think, on, on Western-style dairies um, in the western part of the country. And what do you think about our ag lenders, their tolerance of, uh, obviously, more milk in uh, the bulk tank, but those escalated operating costs, are you getting a sense on their tolerance? Well, I haven't talked with um, bankers uh, recently, but every time we get into this kind of situation, you begin to be more cautious and you look forward. Most of our bankers have been very careful. You know, we've, we've been trying to work with producers because no banker that I know of wants to lend a dairy farm their last dollar. Um, you know, they want to make sure there's a little bit of cushion in there for folks to be able to handle the time periods like we're going through right now. Working capital has been fairly good for farms. Last year was a surprisingly good milk income year. Not necessarily milk price, although that was better than we've seen in some recent years, but some of the direct payments to dairy farms to seat that program or even the dairy margin coverage program, if you bought up at the 950 level, gave pretty good incomes to dairy farmers. So it was the best year we've had uh, since 2014 from the standpoint of received for milk. Um, This year, We've got a few other things that may be going on in a positive way, but uh, you know, probably not going to be quite as good as they were last year. Right. What you're kind of getting at, I think, is the enhanced SNAP payments going to individuals, a little bit more money, only a couple, 32 bucks or so every month, but also the government announcing that they're stepping back in with more of their commodity purchase, correct? Some of that, too. Those are the Section 32 um, purchases. That's correct. And just uh, yesterday, was it, I think it was, Vilsack announced that they were going to be 
making more monies available for farms because of the distressed prices that we've seen in the past as a result of changes to federal milk marketing order system. In other words, I think they're going to take a backward look at how much did the average of impact milk prices to dairy farmers versus the higher of that we had before. And they're going to try to um, provide a payment to producers um, up to 5 million pounds of milk. So um, that's going to be a direct payment to some of our mid to small size farms. Well, all farms, I guess, but smaller impact than large farms. And that really is a lean in for Wisconsin type dairy, correct? It is. I mean, it, it will tend to help a uh, dairy industry like ours a little bit. Would uh, you know, in, in a state that's got tendency toward larger farms, a state like Pennsylvania will also have you know a greater impact there. All right, Dr. Mark Stevenson with his initial reaction to the July milk production figures. Again, Wisconsin, 4.6% higher this July compared to last July. And like Dr. Stevenson pointed out, a few more cows out there for sure, but definitely the genetics, the management that we've got in Wisconsin showing in those numbers. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. The Joey Song 2022 Benefit Concert is coming to the Sylvie. Enjoy live music for a great cause. Joey Song raises money to fund epilepsy research and support programs for people battling the disorder. The Joey Song Benefit Concert has sold out for the last four years, and 2022 will be no different. This year's artists include Butch Vig and Duke Erickson of Garbage. Dave Perner from Soul Chris Collinwood from Fountains of Wayne, and many others. Plus, a special appearance by Charlie Barons of the Manitowoc Minute. Tickets are on sale now. Get yours at joeysong.org or the Sylvie. Fighting epilepsy with music. It's Joey Song. The Fetch 5K Dog Jog and Fun Walk is back. Join us Saturday, September 25th at Octopi in Wanakee for a 5K race or a one-mile fun walk. And then the after party will celebrate Fetch Wisconsin Rescue's eight years of hard work and over 3,000 dogs rescued. Proceeds go towards Fetch Wisconsin Rescue and the dogs in their care. Visit FetchWI.org and click on 5K for more information and to register or donate today. Because we know your barn smells like money. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I want to thank Tommy from Stockbridge. Uh, texted me this morning just to trace a rain in his backyard. Also, reporter down in Rock County just to trace down there. But I've got eyes on the horizon, and I think things are going to change. Time for your Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. Stu Muck joining us. I've been kind of watching radar this morning. I know that there's some flash flood warnings for northeast Iowa, southeast Minnesota. Sooner or later, that's going to break into Wisconsin, isn't it? I expect it will. All of those warnings are just west of the Mississippi River, and there's some expectation of some pretty heavy rains. I've got a couple of months that'll make you think. Uh, Kokona, since yesterday, just over an inch and a half of rain. Hudson, up by the Twin Cities and the Wisconsin side, over two and a half inches of rain. Now, I've seen a lot of forecast maps indicating that as this low moves east and northeast along this little wavy front and that front this morning from southeast Minnesota to northeast Wisconsin, as that low moves along that boundary, areas like far northeast Iowa, southeast Minnesota, up to northeast Wisconsin, right where that boundary is, there could be some additional one and two inch amounts of rain in that area. That unfortunately does catch lacrosse. I did have a report at lacrosse rainfall wise, at least to this point, 36 hundredths of an inch. But I do expect that the rain will be heavier there. The further you are east and south, Madison, Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac may not have as great of a rain threat. I don't think we feel bad about that. We don't miss out. But the rain is going to be around like we've talked about. A lot of rain in northern Iowa, southern Minnesota, into western and central Wisconsin. Some showers pushing up into the Door Peninsula as well. Everything moving east and uh, expanding and then starting to weaken here a bit later. There'll be another round of precipitation chance late today or into the nighttime. And then really Hot weather for Saturday. A lot of sunshine, very hot weather with a lot of moisture around. Heat indexes on Saturday, pushing up in the upper 90s, maybe 100. A very important day to be careful if you're going to be out and about. I'll have forecast details right after this. Badgerbean.com puts the Wisconsin soybean farmer first. And it's your place to go for the latest soybean news and research from leading industry experts. Simple, easy-to-access resources for the betterment and advancement of a sustainable soybean industry right here in Wisconsin. Badgerbean.com, an invaluable tool constantly updated for Wisconsin soybean farmers. For info and the latest updates, find us on Facebook and visit badgerbean.com today. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, let's have a couple more details because it's not just about the rain, it's also about the heat. And do you see severe weather out there? I think the severe weather is a greater possibility in northern Iowa, southeast Minnesota. And in Wisconsin, we're probably talking mostly about some strong winds that could blow up, especially in the western and central part of the state. Some patchy fog here and there, of course, rain at La Crosse and Mauston this morning, cloudy skies, scattered showers, a few storms could spread east through the state this morning, and otherwise sunshine starts to break out later on. In the mid and upper 80s, upper 80s east and south, southeast winds 5 to 10, some chance of a scattered shower or storm yet into the night, partly cloudy late. 
in the low 70s overnight. South winds at 5 to 10. Sunny and hot tomorrow. Could be some rain in the west. Lacrosse Crosse, and late in the afternoon. Upper 80s and low 90s. Heat index is in the upper 90s. And partly sunny Sunday. A scattered shower or storm could be around midday, morning to midday. Mid 80s then. I'd say, Pam, in the eastern and south parts of the state up to a new inch of rain tonight oh. and tomorrow. And at Lacrosse and Mauston could be a couple. Man, and you know, honestly, I was walking around. We're we are squishy. There's a lot of places that you mentioned earlier this week are flat out saturated right now. Oh yeah, we've got our threshery. We get to be in the slop tomorrow. Oh geez. <laughs> well, you're the one that's causing all this. Then see, that's cut, right. cut hay. Hang out laundry. Uh huh. There it is. Well, good luck with that, buddy. I'll wait for a story on Monday. Okay. All right, we'll catch you then. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist. That's your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This is Jeff Dunn from Dunn's Import in Middleton. Let's talk about the 100,000-mile syndrome. All cars get it. Many systems last 100,000 miles, and then they need replacing. Timing belts, water pumps, valve cover gaskets, spark plugs, etc. This is a two dollars to $4,000 time frame in most cars' lives. Sometimes it starts at 90, sometimes it starts at 120, but it always happens. If you're buying used, keep this in mind when it comes to price and value. Call Dunn's Import in Middleton for a buyer's inspection first. Did you suffer a loss from the recent wind or hailstorm only to be let down by your current insurance company? When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009, Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help with an armed robbery investigation. On August 2, 2021, at approximately 1.26 p.m., MPD officers were dispatched to the 2900 block of Commercial Avenue for an armed robbery. The victims were on the bike path when the suspect approached them. The suspect displayed a weapon and took the victim's necklace, cash, and AirPods. The suspect then fled the scene on foot. The suspect was described as a younger male black, larger build, last seen wearing a black sweatshirt, black sweatpants, and a black face mask. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can receive up to $1,000 in cash rewards for tips that lead to an arrest. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. 
just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. The Fetch 5K Dog Jog and Fun Walk is back. Join us Saturday, September 25th at Octopi in Wanakee for a 5K race or a one-mile fun walk. And then the after party will celebrate Fetch Wisconsin Rescue's eight years of hard work and over 3,000 dogs rescued. Proceeds go towards Fetch Wisconsin Rescue and the dogs in their care. Visit FetchWI.org and click on 5K for more information and to register or donate today. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection is here 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for all your residential and commercial plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning, we've got you covered. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Are you ready for the next generation of body sculpting? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Current body shaping devices have addressed unwanted stubborn fat and skin laxity. But what if we want more muscle strength and toning? MSculpt is our new body sculpting device at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie that uses high intensity electromagnetic contractions with a 30-minute treatment described as equivalent to 20,000 crunches. MSculpt is approved for abdomen, arms, thighs, and calves. And it's also the world's first non-invasive butt toning and lifting procedure. MSculpt is a safe, effective addition to any workout program. The possibilities are endless. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. But Rob, other things that we're looking forward to is the regular season. Now, the Green Bay Packers have played two preseason games so far, obviously two losses to the Houston Texans and the New York Jets. They do have the Buffalo Bills on deck this weekend. What are kind of your just basic takeaways from the first two preseason games? Because obviously they've lost, but I think overall you're seeing some young players that have given the opportunity to play have kind of flashed a little bit and maybe uh, made a name for themselves and maybe make this roster. Yeah, or are certainly tradable commodities now at that, you know, kind of at this point in time, Nelly. You know, Kurt Banker jumps out as a guy. He obviously was really good in the first half last week, um, you know, against the Jets. If, if they don't want to keep three quarterbacks, on the roster, which they very well may not want to do, Nelly, I, you know, I, you know, take Atlanta for example right now, right where where he has a history bankert that is, and you know they they have no backup quarterback at this point in time. Is he a tradable commodity to the Falcons for a six for a seven? I would jump all over that if I could get a pick for a guy like Kurt Bankert. You know, before he got hurt. Nelly, I thought Jordan Love was was really, really good in in that preseason opener against Houston. You think that night, you think back to it, Nelly. You know, he played without his four best wide receivers. Um, he played without his top three offensive linemen. He played without Aaron Jones. And then, he, you know, he only had A.J. Dillon for a series. And his passer rating was 110. Um, I thought he was poised through that whole night and, and really composed. Um, I'm excited to see him again. 
come uh, come Saturday afternoon when these guys travel to Buffalo. Uh, there's a couple of young offensive linemen that uh, very well, Nelly, are going to be in the starting lineup September 12th when, when, when they go to New Orleans. I mean, they, you know, it, 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 the, the guard play is, is, is obviously wide open at, at this point in time. You know, they, they, they took Josh Myers as an immediate starter, obviously, when, when they used the second-round pick on him back in, back in April. But to, to me, Nelly, one of the surprises of camp has been Royce Newman and the fact he's in this guard hunt. You know, I... I honestly thought Lucas Patrick was pretty good last year. Um, you know, a C plus, a B minus level type of a player, but but they seem hell bent on replacing him. You know, whether that's going to be with with a Newman, with a Runyon, with a Braden, with with somebody. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll find out where where that thing ends up. But but they've had some impressive performances, certainly in the second preseason game more than the first. Nelly from from some of the young. Uh, offensive linemen, and then you know they've got some real battles going on in that secondary right now. They you know they they traded a couple guys, um, you know earlier in the week with with Jackson and Holman getting moved, and and that's going to clear some things up and probably give a job maybe to a guy like you know Kavion Ento and, and Gene Charles, you know the the the, the mid round draft pick from from this from this year's uh, from this year's draft, but. You know, Nelly, they've, they've they've still got some battles going on. You know, keep in mind they, they you know they they traded away when they traded Jackson, they got back to the item from the Jets, and um, his special teams play is has, has always been kind of his staple. And 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 we all know special teams have been dismal, just just abysmal in Green Bay since you know dating back to 2005. So you know, there's going to be some cornerback jobs on the line. Uh, Nelly, come come Saturday. I, I I think the backup safety jobs are are, are still definitely uh, you know on the line. They they've got some real questions. I would say say still Nelly at outside linebacker after the big three and and maybe only the big two if you know well, depending what's going on here with the Darius Smith back as we get closer and closer to the opener. So um, you know Nelly, people shouldn't worry or put any stock in the fact this group is 0 two. I think they've had some decent performances from some young guys and and this Bills game come Saturday afternoon is going to be, you know, really critical to to lining up the last four, five, six spots on that roster. Rob, Ben Kenny here in for Ebo this week. So we know some guys are locked in at the top of the wide receiver depth chart. And then we see Devin Funches go on season ending IR. How do you see the lineup shaking out and who do you see making that roster? And, and if there are guys on the fringe, are there any that need to show out on Saturday to earn a spot? You know, I'm probably in the minority here, guys, but but I, you know, I I, I would say six right now are locked, and and I I include Malik Taylor in that group, who who was obviously on the team last year, had an outstanding second preseason game, as as you guys know, and is one of their top three or four special teams players. I mean, I I keep going back to special teams here, guys, as I talk. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I'd say the odds are pretty good you want to grab an umbrella or something today because almost everybody's got rain in the forecast. Some picking up more than others. Western Wisconsin, Southwest Wisconsin. Looks like you're in the crosshairs for some fairly heavy rain. Daytime highs today around 86 degrees. I'm Pam Yankee. Now from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. Some interesting ones for you today. On this day in 1878, the typewriter was patented. 
And did you know that it was first developed in a machine shop in Milwaukee? Yeah, a fellow named Samuel Soule. He basically spent hours tinkering with a machine that had telegraph keys that struck paper and carbon, trying to uh, get the thing going. Ultimately, that typewriter created in Milwaukee ended up in the Smithsonian Institute. Started on this day back in 1878. On this day in 1990, Stevie Ray Vaughan died in a helicopter crash in East Troy, Wisconsin. Of course, legendary rock guitarist. He had just gotten done with a concert at Alpine Valley, and he took off in the helicopter and crashed. Uh, He was on stage with his brother Jimmy, Buddy Guy, Eric Clapton, and Robert Cray. Stevie Ray Vaughan, the only one that decided to helicopter out to his demise on this day in 1990. On this day in 2003, Mars got the closest to Earth that it had been since 57,000 B.C. Now, the next time Mars will get that close to the to the Earth is estimated to be about 2287. And on this day in 2003, the world's biggest battery is plugged in. A battery that takes up 2,000 square meters of space, weighs 1,300 ton, and what does it do? It provides emergency electricity to the residents of Fairbanks, Alaska, for about seven minutes. <laughs> World's biggest battery, all responsible for that in Fairbanks, Alaska. And now you know. I want you to know that our potato harvest is underway as weather allows. I talked about it with Bo Hartline. He is the operations manager for Awesome Produce and Vegetables in Arena. They are not real far along as far as digging their spuds is concerned. And Bo says they've got to keep an eye on the quality of the spuds this year because of the erratic weather we had earlier this spring. You know, this year it's been really tough, just the the weather temperatures, I would say. Um, and specifically on our arena farm in, in southern Wisconsin, uh, we, we're, we're, we've missed a lot of good rains that, that, you know, once you get up to the middle part of the state that they've had. So that's, that certainly hurt us as well. But, uh, you know, just to put it in reference, and toward the end of May, we had a, an early frost, or I guess a late frost. And uh, within, I think, of five to seven days after that, we were pushing 100 degrees. So just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's been rough on the, the temperatures. Uh, you know, if you think of where potato came from, that's that's Peru, kind of up in the mountains. Uh, they they do best at cooler temperatures. Um, you know, I think the ideal p- temperature for potato is going to be in the 50s at night and in the mid 70s, the lower 70s during the day. And and if you look back through the summer, we haven't had that a whole lot. So right. um, that's that's certainly been challenging. And you know, with that, we're certainly seeing a lot of you know stress factors in our in our crop that we've been harvesting and. Uh, you know, again, we're only about two and a half percent done right now uh, with what, what what we're harvesting. So you you know you never really know until you put the the, the digger on the ground what you're going to get. But uh, we are doing some preliminary yield checks and quality checks in fields that we haven't been in. And um, you know, so far I would say the the, the yield is about average to above average. And, uh, but we are seeing some quality issues. Right. Let's talk a little. Let's talk a little bit about that. Bo uh, Bo Hartline, along with us from Awesome uh, Farms. There's one issue that you're discovering in some of your varieties that you've never seen before. Explain that, but also explain the technology that you're using to make sure that uh, consumers are still never disappointed. You know, we're seeing some, it's, it's called hollow heart. So there's nothing wrong with the potato. So if you ever buy bag potatoes and you, you cut it open and you see just kind of a hollow spot in the middle, 
you know, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but consumers don't don't like that. Um, and we see that in different varieties. Certain varieties are known for it, but, um, you know, we do have a variety this year that, that's been resistant to it so far that we've had it. We've only had it for a few years, but, you know, this year we are seeing this, this hollow heart in it, but uh, we've got a, a pretty pretty state-of-the-art uh, processing facility up at Friesland, Wisconsin. And uh, up there, we, we run our potatoes through an x-ray scanner, and so uh, the x-ray sees that hollow spot in the middle of theta, and it gets kicked out by a machine, and, uh, you know, those get sent to, to, you know, they're basically dehydrated. Uh, you know, everything else that we grow, you, you know, ends up in a bag of potatoes at a Woodman's or a Piggly Wiggly or all these, you know, as fresh potatoes. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I just and think... We also, you know, we, we are seeing some, you know, some other quality issues like, uh, you know, such as scab, which is a, an external defect. You know, again, most of the things that, that affect potatoes, you know, they're just fine to eat. It's just that, you know, again, the consumer likes a, a nice, you know, no blemish, you know, potato. So, uh, you know, and again, like like I mentioned, it's it's still a little bit early to tell. And uh, I I think if, if you go, you know, to the, to the central sands area of the state, uh, you know, like I mentioned, they've had, you know, quite a bit more rain and, it's usually, you know, four to five degrees cooler uh, once you get up to that, you know, middle part of the state, and uh, their crop might be a little bit different than ours. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now we were also mentioning about uh, trying to make people aware of the jobs that this industry generates. Now, granted, some of them might be a little bit seasonal, but uh, still always pointing to Wisconsin agriculture as a major employer, and that includes you guys out in arena. Yeah. So it, it, at our arena farm here, we employ about 12 to 13 full-time uh, people. But at Harvest, we'll have, you know, around 45 to 50 people total. Uh, so we're bringing in quite a few seasonals. Uh, we, we bring in uh, folks to help grade our potatoes. You know, again, we're not we're not washing anything here. But if we bring our potatoes in off the field, we'll, we'll you know, have people looking at them. If there's any anything, any issues that they see, they'll pull out. If there's any, you know, anything that's not a potato, you know, sometimes if we're Following a field of corn, there's corn stalks that come in. They'll pull out corn corn stalks and just try to make it easier on our on our folks up at the plant. Um, but then we also bring in what we call field truck drivers. Uh, you know, these guys are responsible for for hauling the potatoes from our harvester in the field back to the our our farm storage location. Where we'll sort the potatoes and sometimes we size them and uh, we either store them or we'll ship them up to our plant. That's Bo Hartline. He's the operations manager for all some fresh produce and vegetables out of Arena. You know, earlier this week, the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service told us 24% of the Wisconsin potato harvest was already complete. 92% of the potatoes were called good to excellent statewide. That was a two percentage point decrease in quality in just one week's time. So we'll keep an eye on what's happening as far as the potato harvest is concerned. Markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are all in the red ink. December corn right now down nearly a nickel at 546. November soybeans down 12 cents at 1314. The wheat for December, that's up three and a half right now, 742 and three quarters. Barrel cheese yesterday dropped a penny and three quarters to 147. 40 pound block cheese lost a penny down to 175. And double A butter dropped a quarter of a cent at $1.70 per pound. The fluid milk for September. 
closed 29 cents lower, 1707 100 weight. October milk was down 30 at 1690 100 weight. USDA announced that they are establishing a $400 million dairy donation program. The goal is to facilitate dairy product donations while reducing food waste. It's part of the overall $6 billion pandemic assistance USDA has announced back in March. And it also follows another announcement from U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack about $350 million in pandemic market volatility assistance program funds for dairy farmers. So a couple different things we're keeping an eye on as far as that is concerned. We're also keeping an eye on what's going on with land values. Boy, if you're a beginning farmer, trying to get into agriculture and get land is a real challenge. Amber Keller, Ag Loan Officer in Southern Wisconsin, is going to join us with her perspective and what she's been seeing. That's coming up on our final Friday. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like savings on select John Deere equipment and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When you choose from several options, you're likely going to save money. That's what a family-owned, independent insurance place like ours can do. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our Our best best is the the very very least least we can do. do. Just about everyone from all walks of life have passed through these doors, each with distinctive skills, dialects, stories, all with a couple of things in common, sense of community and the love of a comfortable spot to chill out. The Tasting Room Lounge, the perfect refuge to enjoy your favorite cigar, spirit, specialty beer, or wine, indoor or on the patio. Find your spot at the Tasting Room Lounge, West Broadway, Monona. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Amber Keller is with Town Bank. She is a gal that's out there in the country working with farmers, working with rural landowners, uh, bringing parties together that want to come out to the country. And a recent survey of bankers through the Federal Reserve shows that just like your house in town, the value of that farmland, the rural properties continues to go up. You know, Amber, I got to believe you weren't surprised by much of what you saw in that report. No, that's for sure, Pam. Um, a lot has changed in a year. You know, a year ago, uh, even as I talk to farmers today, they look back at a year ago and we think, wow, 
Um, things were looking a little bleak, a little grim last year. We didn't know how the year would turn out, how crops would turn out, if the supply chain would stabilize in terms of getting products to the marketplace and getting the marketplace or consumers back out and, and opened up and using products again back in restaurants and schools. So a lot has changed, and with the uh, wonderful support of some programs to keep farmers' prices stabilized through uh, CFAT payments, which were direct payments to farmers based on reduction in commodity prices, so it buoyed up uh, prices for them at the end at the end result to uh, make sure that they could get their bills paid. So those CFAP payments, as we call them, and then also the PPP program, Payroll Protection Program, as administered by banks and SBA, did a lot to keep farmers uh, in business. And with land that comes up normally in the course of a year, and there isn't a lot of it, but when it does, uh, farmers want to continue farming and grow their business and, and allow their kids to farm. So when land comes up for sale, there is a grab, and we're seeing an increase here uh, a year later uh, post-COVID uh, pandemic. You know, it's nice to know that those uh, funds did help a lot of our families hang on and get through the darkest days. Let's focus a little closer on that Federal Reserve, because as you pointed out, Amber, it is a federal, it's just a survey of bankers. It is not necessarily on transactions. That is correct. It is a poll of bankers. So as we kind of call it, as we talk to our clients and as we finance land transactions, it's our gut reaction to what's going on uh, in land values on a quarterly basis. And I would liken the current trend of Wisconsin data being up land values being up 13% over last year, I would liken this to uh, a terminology used in the livestock sector, and that's called compensatory gain. And in the livestock sector, when we have an animal that's been restricted on feed for a period of time, and all of a sudden we give it feed and nutrition and, and health products, that animal grows quicker than its peers uh, for a period of time to, to play catch up. And I think really, in a way, that's what's going on here in the land marketplace. We had a deprivation of cash, really, for the last five years because margins were tighter for both grain and dairy livestock farmers. And then all of a sudden, we go through a really brutal time last year with the economy closed down and products not being consumed or getting out into the marketplace. And all of a sudden, we had pretty darn good yields, exports increase. So commodity prices increase. We did have the stimulus programs providing cash to farmers. So it helped heal them economically. And with that cash, again, wanting to keep farming going forward and bringing in those next generations in on the farm, we need to buy land to stay competitive and, and grow our operations. That cash provides uh, ability to buy land. So, boom, we got a, we got a little bit of a rocket upward on values. Interest rates do not hurt us right now either. You bet. Interest rates have stayed uh, exceptionally low. You know, certainly we do have concerns about inflation going forward. Um, as a society, we've got to figure out how we're going to pay all of our bills. Um, but for now, um, we'll uh, we'll use these programs that we have had and, and uh, keep things healed out on Rural Route 1 and, and small businesses as well. 
um, in our in our rural towns. Again, we're just going to keep doing what we do best, and that's uh, growing healthy and safe food for for our world. Amber Keller's along with us. She's an ag lender with Town Bank. You know, I'm curious if you're noticing any outside interest in farmland, Amber. There was a time when outside, for example, insurance companies decided they wanted to invest in farmland and essentially ride it up. Are we seeing any of that outside interest, or are we seeing most primary interest from within agriculture? Uh, That's funny you should ask, because I have had independent conversations with local um, and we'll say residents in the Midwest who are not farmers who are looking at their investment um, investment base or their retirement reserves, and they're looking at me saying, should I pull something out of my retirement accounts and buy farmland? Is that a safer bet for me than staying in the stock market? And certainly that's a, an independent decision for every individual because there's pros and cons to that. But yes, I think there is some outside interest looking in at farmland and saying, is this a safer and more stable investment for me? So I think we'll continue to see some of that here in the next year or two. The downside of this uh, aggressive market and uh, the enhanced prices, Amber, is if I'm somebody that's young trying to get into the game, boy, I need somebody at my back. Tell me how, are there any new tools that you've found to help bring in that next generation? Are the older generation, shall we say, ready to uh, transition out? Are they more understanding, more patient with these kinds of uh, transactions? What are you seeing? Sure. I, you know, I think there are some conversations being had with farm families today as the older generation eyes up retirement, as um, our minds and bodies kind of get tired at some point when they've been putting in 30, 40, 50 years of toil on the farm. However, that next generation is super eager to, to get to take over, to get to make management decisions, and take ownership in some of these farmsteads. So those discussions continue, and I think because of the COVID pandemic, people have had extra time to really think about what they want uh, for, for their families, for their livelihood. So I think those soul-searching conversations have occurred, and we'll see some transitions ahead to to get that next generation engaged in our in our family farms as far as that next generation being able to have borrowing power uh, banks do work closely with farm service agency to use the beginning farmer tools there for joint financing programs to get farmers um, into ownership more quickly so the Preferred Lender Program is a wonderful tool to uh, to help young farmers get rolling. Amber Keller along with us again, an ag lender with Town Bank. If you haven't yet found the, the latest survey on 2021 land values right here in the state of Wisconsin, the average acre of farmland with buildings, $5,190 an acre. Uh, that's about $340 higher per acre than it was uh, in the previous survey, cropland acreage, $5,280 per acre, up $510 from a year ago. So as Amber pointed out, farmland values just keep going up. You know why? As my dad used to